0: hello and welcome to Fulhamish. This is the very first episode. It's very exciting to be here. Thank you for downloading this podcast as we take like an informal sideways look at Fulham FC as it comes and goes. I've got an esteemed group of gentlemen who are gonna delve into the world of Fulham FC with me this evening i uh, going to start off with our very own Putney Pirlo, Mr. Farrell Monk. Good evening to you. Good evening, Sammy. Uh, Mr. Dominic Betts, I've got something to ask you in a second, but good evening. Good evening. How are you, Sammy? Uh, very good, thank you. And uh, he describes himself on Twitter as a utility man, and he's definitely doing a job for us tonight, Mr. Jack Collins. Hello, everybody. Hey, you doing? So, uh, Dom, I received a tweet uh, earlier today oh, saying me. that you scored the greatest penalty ever at Craven Cottage on Saturday. What on earth is that about?
1: Uh, Well, I got a call on, must have been Friday afternoon, from someone at the club called Billy. I don't know what he does. Right. He he must be in charge of organising the half-time. Oh, you're one of the
0: half-time people?
1: And it was a blindfolded penalty shootout, so they called me about 35, 40 minutes, and then I sort of went on to the side of the pitch, came on at half-time once. Ivan had done his introduction, saying he scores at half-time. And so we had three blindfold penalties each. I took the first one, which is the one Liam's talking about. Yeah. And it was uh, we went straight into the bottom corner. It was actually better than Clayton Donaldson's penalty, only in half, actually. <laughs> but I don't know how <laughs> it went in, because I literally had no idea what was going on. Obviously, I'm blindfolded by this Fulham scarf. And then it went straight into the bottom key- corner. I heard the cheers, and then obviously all my friends w- w- were videoing. it actually saw how good the penalty was. And then apparently the other guys' three penalties were just horrific. Like I went miles wide. I think my second one was saved, and the third one was missed. But yeah, apparently it was like one of the best penalties according to Liam you know Liam Farrell might but, well do. Yeah, that is a uh, seed at Craven Cottage. Christ, that is incredible. Well, first of all, let's start off by discussing
0: Saturday's game. When we started this podcast, I was really hoping, you know, we'd would get we been so good up to now, eight games in all competitions, unbeaten. I thought, brilliant, we'll start this podcast. We're on good form. It's all going to be great. We'll go into the game against Birmingham City. We're red-hot favourites. And, of course, they let me down. So that was absolutely natural. What went wrong,
2: guys? Uh, what? What kind of uh, stuck out to me was uh, the, the fact that we just looked like a team that didn't know each other, but probably because, you know, they didn't even know each other, to be honest. Like I mean, there were so many sort of people that's only had like a few few starts for the club already, so many new faces and they just didn't even know, like, probably each other's names to start off with. That's what it kind of screamed out to me.
0: Well, do you think we were a bit of a victim of our own passing game? Because certainly um, Michael Mardle's red card and the second penalty was just eventually scored was actually just sloppy play passing around the back and it led to mistakes. And maybe we overplaying in the defence, do you think, a little bit?
2: I don't necessarily think it was overplaying. Uh, It was... uh, We just didn't make our passes count. Like, it was a case of a lot of the passes were just either too short to the wrong person, wrong decision-making, just really simple stuff, and... It just happened time and time again. We weren't learning our lessons in the first, you know, half an hour or so, and it kind of got better, and then the red card happened, and then it all fell apart again. Jack, do you think it's all doom and gloom?
3: No, I don't. I don't think we're as bad as perhaps we're, we're making out that we were, either. Um, but there are two things I thought about the passing game that was, you know, interesting to note, and that is that for the first one, for the for the red card, we've got a free kick just inside their half on 44 minutes, and, you know, we've, you've got... TC who can drop a ball in in anywhere and Matt Smith up front on 44 minutes. We've seen that work before, like Newcastle. And, you know, one of those things where at that kind of time in the half, why play short and stupid if you have that sort of weapon at your disposal? And then for the second one, for the second penalty where we lost the ball, Button nearly loses the ball to Donaldson in the area. And, you know, I know Kevin McDonald's playing as a center half when he's a ball playing midfielder but at the same time in that situation get rid and if you're not going to play that center half role then why have we not brought on our new you know 4 million pound international signing center half to to fill that gap if McDonald's not going to you know be comfortable in that role
0: Tom, do you reckon it's dampened like promotion hopes slightly? Because I think after the Blackburn game, where you know it ninety-fourth minute winner, I think maybe some Fulham fans started to believe like this season might be written in the stars. And I think people were singing Slavicia's praises. Not that people now are saying Slavicia should go or anything extreme like that. But do you think it's maybe put a bit more realism on our hopes I think for the season? We've
1: got to look at Bar Newcastle, who we've actually played in the league. Um, the, the next hardest team we played was Cardiff at home, and obviously we drew that two-two. I mean, Preston and Blackburn have had, both had pretty poor starts to the season, and I mean, the Blackburn game was one of the worst games of football I think I've watched in a long time. <laughs> I mean, luckily we did score in the last minute through Tom Kearney. Preston, it was just it was just a, it wasn't even a great game either. Like Sonny Lucas' goal was scrappy. Even it was a great run by Tom Kearney maybe for the first goal. Or was it second goal? Second goal. Second, second goal. goal, yeah. And then Matt Smith has a shot, then luckily he gets the rebound and buries it. I think we haven't really analysed the teams we've been playing because they have been easy fixtures. And Newcastle was first game of the season, so... That isn't exactly Newcastle at their best, as you can see. They've improved a lot recently. Well, they've uh,
0: they've had a season like exactly kind of like I expected them to: shaky start, and then they lost to Huddersfield, who are looking like Barcelona at the moment. Um, and then they've gone on and won four games in a row. Whilst not looking that impressive, surely that they're going to go on now and probably be one of the front runners after this.
1: Oh yeah, hundred percent they are. They I think they're going to get top two quite easily with the team and even squad they have. But I mean, but I think like the if you look at the loss from Saturday, you have to give credit to Birmingham City and the way that uh, Guy Rowe set them out. I think, yes, we didn't play to our best, but Birmingham were just set out so well to counteract our game. And yeah. I think a lot of teams are going to do that because they know what sort of football we're going to be playing on Dukanovic. Yeah, definitely. I think definitely. we said
3: beforehand, like a lot of people said beforehand, that... Birmingham were going to be a team that would frustrate us from the outset because you know the way that Rourke sets up as a defensive unit I and mean, then you look at the possession we got I had something like 63% possession on on Saturday and we had seven chances to so their 22 I think that it was always from the outset going to be one of those games that we were going to struggle with a little a little bit because you know that's the way that they play against the way that we play we do do dominate and we look for those breaks and if they're going to sit in two banks of four and break you know quickly then we're always going to be in trouble and I don't think that that's you know, it's been maybe discussed enough as such.
0: I mean, it's quite lucky, really. You've got two games coming up, though, that certainly are winnable. So a way to really get us maybe back on track looking upwards uh, against Burton and Wigan. Surely you've got to be expecting four even maybe six points out of one of those.
2: I I certainly hope so. Yeah. And we should do. Uh, We do have a good enough team and we've seen that we can play well on our day if everyone's on it. Um, We just need to make sure that you know that slavica does he actually know what his best starting lineup is for a start i don't think he knows um there's you know he's been chopping and changing a little bit everyone was raving about cabano after his first game and then all of a sudden he's on the bench uh second game so he's probably not even sure what his best team is but once those kind of things are ironed out we've definitely got a talented team with you know lots of depth and and all that's there but it's going to take a few games for it to for it to gel so hopefully we can pick up six points from the next couple of games and then just crack on from there, get the get the confidence back in the team, really. If you think about, uh, if
1: we ahead to Saturday against Wigan, it shouldn't be that hard, because they've bought half a defence from last season. Like, that's <laughs> so on paper, it should be relatively easy. I mean, they have been conceding goals quite a lot this season, probably due to them signing half our defence from last season, specifically the left
2: side. But isn't it going to be a bit full of mischief if they get a clean sheet this weekend? Yeah, probably.
1: And Burton...
2: <laughs> nice use of the word, early doors. either,
1: have they, Burton? I mean, they beat Derby. Uh, at home a few weeks ago, and obviously, well, Clough was nominated for Manager Month as well, wasn't he?
2: Yeah, I think so. So they
1: haven't had a, exactly had a bad start, but you have to say Burton at home, we we have to be winning that game. He's yeah, hundred percent. When the last we played Burton, I mean, we only won on penalties. Thanks with John Arisa banging it straight. Oh, was league. that in the
0: league? Was that in League, league, league
3: Cup? League, league Cup like
1: three years ago. It
3: was our last season of the Premier League? Yeah.
0: It? And Rod- and didn't Roddy Yeager score quite? Yeah, Roddy yeah scored quite a nice day. goal actually towards
3: the end of it. The other thing is that Burton have, I think, if I'm um, Correct they've conceded ten or eleven already uh this season they've scored ten or eleven as well but they're up there with the you know the high scorers and the high conceders in the league which is a bit what we such were last, last, last year season. as such but you know it's one of those where we should be able to exploit that defense and if we can you know pull up back four together again and you know one of the things about the weekend was we only conceded one despite we had ten men despite we were makeshift we we did look reasonably you know aside from that cultural chance seventy minutes or so. We didn't look like we were going to be sliced apart even with ten even with ten men.
2: And even created a couple of chances. Exactly.
3: So you'd hope that we could hold out Burton and, you know, exploit their defensive weaknesses and, you know, hopefully they'll play to our advantage.
0: Do so you think there's lack of scoring goals is gonna be a concern? It's eight goals in seven games. Obviously, we're conceding a lot less than we did last season. Chris Martin, he came on in the second half, for Matt Smith. To me, he was looking a little bit bit unsharp, maybe not full match fitness, do you reckon he's going to take a few games before he maybe starts firing on all cylinders?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna, I'd am gonna. i say once he gets back to his full fitness, but he's not there to do what the McCormack rollers which has scored 30 goals a season. He's there to maybe get, what, 10, 15 goals, but we've got so many goals that our midfielders can sort or, or attacking players. So like so Sonia Luko, who can drop into midfield if he needs to. You've got Tom Kearney, who's always got a goal on him. You've got Niskins Cabano, Florida Ite, who are both pretty much direct uh, wide players with a bit pace about them. So, I mean, I think his job is, yes, to score like 10, 15 goals, but a lot of his job will be to bring in the midfield players so because we know there's definitely goals there as well.
0: You're yeah, like a more astute Matt Smith. A <laughs> more astute
3: like Matt a Smith.
1: Bit more
0: of a footballing brain. Well, he is. And, and what, what, are we, what are we making of Matt Smith this season? He's come in, he's done a good job. He scored uh, a couple of goals early on. He does, to me doesn't seem to quite have it if he's to be a top agora in a top's top-level championship side. Well, he, he just was cool seems to have found his well. level then, hasn't
2: he? Yeah. You know, uh, if his level is mid-table kind of championship team, then he does well for that. But, you know, he was starting in all of the games, um, starting off in the season, apart from one where Woodrow started. But then he, he came on and pretty much changed the game for us. Which game was that? Uh, it was Cardiff
1: at home. I was Cardiff, Cardiff at home,
2: yeah. And um, so he's definitely, he does bring something to the team. Um, you know, he's been in the winning team to start off with uh, these first four or five games. Um, but, you know, it's kind of good to have him around, certainly. At least if Chris Martin's not fit and Woodrow's not firing in all all cylinders.
0: And uh, I've, I've, I guess we've got to be uh, unanimous in the view that the highlight of Saturday's game was David Button's penalty save against Clayton Donaldson in the first half. To me, is that one of the best pen- penalty saves you've seen from a Fulham goalkeeper? It was, out- I thought it was outstanding. It was a well-hit penalty from Donaldson.
1: Yeah, I mean, the only other one in recent memory that comes to mind is when Schwartz has saved a penalty in the last minute from Arteta in the 3-3 at the Emirates yeah. or three or four seasons ago. What game that was anyway,
0: yeah. I was in the Arsenal game. I was in the Arsenal end for that game and uh, I remember all through the comeback we got back to 3-2 I think Berbatov put us ahead and uh, we were in like uh, my dad got some tickets through work so we were in that middle tier in the posh bit and I I kept I kept my composure all the way through through all three goals just like, yes! And then that penalty save at the end we'd played so well and I thought it was so unjust if um, Arsenal went and won that game 4-3 and when Arteta uh, missed the penalty as the save by Schwartz I just lost all composure and I've never darted out of a stadium thank god
2: it was Arsenal it had not been like Millwall yeah Millwall or something like, there's no way I would have made it back home but I was at uh, I couldn't go to that game because I was at my sister's wedding uh, I know what you're thinking bad fan and everything like that <laughs> um, but we managed to find some time to find a dodgy stream to watch it on um, but my dad was like, "No, no, I need to get ready for I need to get ready for the wedding." So he put it on the radio uh, in his bedroom um, at the hotel, and the penalty was given. We're waiting, you know, patiently for it to be taken on the TV, and then all of a sudden he runs in with a big smile on his face before the actual penalty is taken because it's obviously oh a yeah face, and a bit in delay completely ruined it for all of us. <laughs> <it. laughs> but it
0: was an absolutely outstanding save. Schwartz v Roma as well. Yeah, I was the yes. one. Um... We've With had Van a co- double save. Oh yeah, yes, one pa-
3: Pablo, Angel. Yeah. Uh, Pablo Angel. Yeah. and Hell.
0: Yeah. Am I correct in saying Van der Sarr is one of the only ever people to save a Shearer penalty? He missed well. one against
3: Sunderland, but I don't know if it was saved. I don't think it was saved. I think he actually missed it.
0: Oh, did he? Um, he hasn't missed many. Because I seem to remember Van. I thought I, I remember thought Van, thought Van der Sar saving well, no, we, a Shearer one back at no, Leicester I mean, Road. One Shearer missed one against
3: Sunderland. Oh right, okay. Um, but I don't know. He didn't miss many. So
0: yeah, was exactly. Definitely Van der Sar save. So, we certainly had a few decent people. What what, what were we making of David Button? Is he doing enough to keep Bettinelli out the side, in your opinion, at the moment?
2: He's not doing anything wrong, in in my opinion, really. Um, He definitely brings a bit more experience. Um, You know, it's it's quite harsh on on Bettinelli because we can't really sit around here and go, well, he's done that badly at all. Um, He looks like a decent championship keeper. He's obviously still quite young for a goalkeeper, so there's a potential there, but Button is ready. Made replacement for him already,
1: and I think the main thing was because we had Lonergan in goal for such a majority of last season. Yes, he made a few good uh, saves, like one on ones, but he had no command of his penalty area for me, uh, Andy Lonergan. No, I think and I think Buttons brought about that commanding goalkeeper at the back, telling the defenders what what they need to do. And and Brentford fans weren't that annoyed that he left, so I was a bit worried. Yeah, I, th- I saw the now same. actually proving that he's actually been a decent signing, and he is keeping Bernardi out of the side for a good reason.
2: I reckon I, they're crying
1: inside.
3: Uh, they signed Dan Bentley, though, didn't they? Dan Bentley's a good keeper. They signed him off South End. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think that's basically why they weren't too upset. But there was, you know, he was their player of the season two years ago, and he was excellent for them last year. And there was, I think it was more they were okay with it because of who they'd put into replace him already maybe
0: otherwise. it's a case of like you know when you get dumped or something and you, you try to be all like brash like, I'm, I'm not I'm not upset it's fine I'm fine but you're going home every night to Christ so maybe that's what Brentford fans it's yourself yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> other feedback on the new signings we've now seen them in a couple of games uh, Johansson uh, made his first start um, against Birmingham it was also uh, Hotherbed. Uh, who I'm quite liking the name of and he came on and obviously Cabana did very well against Blackburn and he uh, played um, as a substitute against Birmingham. What are we making of all these? We're, we've got a plethora of number 10s really at the moment, haven't we?
1: Yeah, I mean, start off with Cabana. At Blackburn, I was really impressed with him. I mean, we didn't there wasn't really many attacking chances during the game. He had a chance in the first half, which was a good save from Jason Steele. But he looked, he looked promising. I was, yeah, as we said earlier, I don't know why he wasn't starting against... Um, Birmingham City on the weekend, because he, he was probably one of our best players, apart from Tom Kearney, in the Blackburn game for me. So he looks promising. I mean, you can't really judge anyone off how many minutes he's played. No. Um, Santos, Josebed, or Josebed, however you say his name, I'm not very good with... There's a Ruiz
0: in there names. as well, isn't there? Yeah, I, 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 who knows what his name is? He had
1: substitute appearances, so he didn't always like from the start, but he looks very comfortable on the ball. And, and always everyone thought he'd be in number 10, but he looks like he can play sort of a deep-line playmaker role. And I won't really say anything about Johansson. I know he had a poor first half against... Um, Birmingham but it's only like one a half a football he could end up being a strong centre midfielder we have and as his time at Celtic prove he's always got goals and assists in, in him and you need that in the championship you need goals from everywhere
2: can he make the step up from the Scottish Premier League well, i tell you one person that made a step there. up to the
0: Scottish Premier League flipping Moussa Dembele bossed the show and they... absolutely ran the show and a the perfect hat trick as such was it, was it a perfect, it perfect hat-trick? It was a perfect yeah. hat-trick, yeah. And actually, I think one of the more impressive things from Dembele that game, that assist, I think, for the fourth goal, the pass-throughs who can't remember who scored the goal on the yeah, end Armstrong. of it. Oh, was, it oh, was it Sinclair? Was it Armstrong? Sinclair scored the third, and Armstrong got the fifth. Right, yeah. I mean, that was absolutely What's exquisite. score? I actually don't actually know five what the score is. So it was 5-1 five like. five, one five, one, Celtic. Five, one. It was oh. just
1: trying to keep one eye on the derby, one eye on the other derby, like the old firm and old Manchester Island pub because, like, one screen was there, and then there's a big projector of the Manchester Derby here, so right, I'm yeah, changing faces to have a look. But yeah, I left at half time because the pub was just too round, it was just and it was pouring with rain outside as well. <laughs> and yeah. then, but I mean, luckily, I was only I mean, didn't miss any goals in the Manchester Derby, but yeah, Moose Dembele. I mean, he started off only scoring from the spot, yeah, and I was exactly. like, is he going to score from open play anytime soon? But he looks like he's a He's spurred on, and and should be a great shock for them, along with the likes of Padgett Roberts and Tierney in the side. Lee Griffiths, yeah, Lee Griffiths. Care. Again, they will just walk the league. Yeah, well, it's it a bit of
0: a it's a bit of a surprising transfer when it all happened. Moose Dembélé moving to Celtic over the summer. And my my first thought when it happened, I I, I was furious. I was, oh, flipping Moussa Dembélé could have gone to Spurs, could have gone to Chelsea. They all seem to be rumoured into. him. why would you go to Celtic? That seems like a a sideways step. But I read an article, one of the kind of Craven Cottagey news rowdy Hammy Endy websites and it made a very good case as to why celtic was a good move for him you know he'd play champions league football admittedly the quality of football he'd be playing in scotland would be pretty low but not a very physical league he probably won't get any injuries i have two seasons there score a hat full of goals and then probably get the big move he wants uh, but he was the first player to score a hat trick in an old Fern derby in 50 years Which is incredible, really, for a 20 year old in his first go.
3: It is. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say that going into an old firm is the old lion's den and going into the most, you know, terrifying atmosphere in football, but it didn't seem to phase him
0: at all. (laughs) It didn't seem Um, to phase him anyway. Anyway, away from Scotland, I don't know when this turned into the (laughs) SBL show. Elsewhere in the championship, I mentioned Huddersfield. Are they real contenders now? Five wins, one draw out of six. They'd surely be one of the poorest teams to ever make it up to the Premier League, one of the most pony teams. Like I'm thinking like Blackpool, Bournemouth, maybe even Wigan back in the days. But Huddersfield in the Premier League seems like a genuine prospect at the moment.
1: Oh, yeah, it does. I mean, obviously, they're still unbeaten. And... I mean, they're going to be obviously. You can tell they're going to be this season surprise package. So you had Sheffield Wednesday last season. You've actually been really poor this season. Yeah, surprisingly get promotion, and then you also had um, Brentford the season before because they got top six as well. I think I'd say Huddersfield should really on how they're playing should be able to get top six because no one else has really played well. Who decides we thought so? Like Norwich, are just really inconsistent. They'll beat a team three nil, then lose to Birmingham three uh, nil, Villa. They've just they've got an amazing attack, but that's all they seem to have. You know, we've got some McCormack, Kojia, Ayu, Rudy Gested. And I think it's got to do mainly with the manager. He was obviously he worked under Klopp at Dortmund. He managed what, their under twenty ones? He managed their second team. Yeah, their yeah, second team. A lot of people
0: seem to attribute the success a lot to this. I can't remember his name, it's um it's Wagner, isn't it? Yeah, um so a lot of people seem to attribute, you know, Klopp's success at Dortmund to him as much as Klopp. So it's clearly Huddersfield have got some pedigree going do you think they'd be the poorest Premier League club if they made it up as in kind of terms of stature and like their facilities and fans etc like, like, Barnsley were up there at one
2: point yeah, they? Barnsley, yeah. that's a real that's know, going uh, back a long Hudders- time Huddersfield's fans are tuning in because that was our uh, uh, stature and club like they're really crap
0: <laughs> I know I know it's, it's just it just it sounds to me bizarre but then again Bournemouth in the Premier League still sounds yeah, don't diss Bournemouth a little bit bizarre but well, I remember going down there a couple of seasons ago and they gave us uh, a football lesson yeah definitely uh, on Boxing Day that day anyway let's move away from that and uh, obviously it's our first show uh, here on Fulhamish today and I asked on Twitter uh, about good or bad Fulham debuts Uh, are there any that spring to mind for you guys either like particularly good they completely came in and bossed it or uh, absolutely had a mare my first thought was Matt Smith against uh, Reading who just got a red card of it about half an hour yeah it was bad enough that we
3: were at Reading away and then Matt Smith got sent off yeah and um, yeah that was that was a truly terrible
1: debut
0: that was under... Was that one of the, the Maggots games? Yeah, that was that was, was that
1: was. Magath was there because we had Birmingham away either the next week or the week or two weeks later. So that was my move-in day for uni. So right, okay. luckily I didn't have to go. <laughs> like, not having to go to Reading away is a good thing as it is. But having an excuse to not go is was brilliant and to not see that game was great. I was getting the updates on my phone. I was like, I'm just not going to look at my phone for the rest of the day because I don't want to. The first one that came to mind for me was Rafa Caliche against Peterborough in the FA Cup. Came off Breda-Hangland... And then Craig, he made Craig McHale-Smith look like Luis Suarez and then he gave away a penalty. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, that was the first one that came to mind. Did he play, was I that think. his
0: only appearance? I think no, he, made he made like two more. or
1: three because they had like the Algerian fan club who came along to see him. But yeah, because if you remember on the Facebook page, it was just Rafik Aliche is the greatest centre-back of all time. From like
2: load of Algerians. Probably, <laughs> yeah. uh, the one that st- uh, sticks out for me is Ahmed Elrich versus Liverpool. Wow! When he, I I don't actually remember him touching the ball the whole game. Apart from with two minutes ago, he had an open goal and skied it. He hit the he
1: hit the scoreboard.
2: Yeah. He Good actually going. fully hit the scoreboard. We should rename it the, the Ahmed R- Elrich uh, scoreboard <laughs> at Anfield. He's had
1: a very big downward career since then because didn't he get arrested for, like, gun possession in Australia? Yeah.
3: Really? Like he's that. in jail. So is John
0: Pansel.
1: Yeah. I, I never really knew what happened with Prison that. Prison buddies. Yeah. <laughs> I knew what happened with
2: Dr. John Pansel situation. I can set up
0: a little team with Lionel Messi and that will be all right.
2: Can we now rename Fulham, like, the bad boy team or yeah, something? Yeah, exactly. Now?
0: Well, maybe we're finally getting the reputation we need to strike fear into our opponents when we we come along. Uh, The other one that was suggested, actually, was was last season, which was um, old Zachariah Labiad. And I can't remember which side he came on against uh, for the last 25 minutes. Literally a rabbit in headlights. It looked like he'd never touched a football in his life. And he was really bigged up and just seemed to
1: shy away. He was really promising when he was at Sporting Lisbon.
2: And Is that football manager talking,
1: yeah, he was literally like amazing <laughs> football manager. And then, it, a, but then, majority of people who are wonder kids on football manager turn out to be not the greatest types of players. Cherno Samba, oh, yeah, we
3: had was it Laurie Dalla Oh, yeah,
1: who was, was a good.
3: wonder kid on football manager in the Fulham ranks. And yeah, I mean, never but, really made it.
1: If Woodrow doesn't make it, he'll be one of them because last year he was, he was one of the best players on the game. Yeah. You
2: could tell their students. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. enough was, time to know the... There someone who scored a hat-trick for by Leverkusen on the weekend, Pojampalo, whatever his name was. And, um, I mean, last year he was amazing. So he might actually prove to one of the football managers one won the kids who were actually any good. We well,
0: you know we have this unnamed uh, statistician. We're not unnamed, Craig Klein, but no one really knows who he is. Do you reckon it's just a student over in America playing football manager and just uh, well, suggesting the, the signings? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, no, Really like right. that would give me hope good? in life.
0: I imagine him like well, you see the scene in Moneyball where like it's Brad Pitt in that room with that room of old geezers and stuff, and I imagine this Craig Klein, brash American. Yeah, I know how to do this. No, you don't need that player. You don't need that player. I've got the system, and then and clearly, Fulham's bought it.
1: Well, oh. if we if we look at it for this, if you just look at the signings he's made this summer, we, there hasn't exactly been a horrific transfer yet. No, so you no, can't. By any stretch of the yeah, imagination. you can't really. <laughs> This what it, his the whole system. I know we've missed out on a few key targets, like the guy from Manchester United whom Mourinho suggested should come.
0: Oh, James Wilson. No, it,
1: Pereira,
2: it, it was wasn't Pereira, it. Oh yeah, that's one. And and I hope James Wilson doesn't come. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> <After> <laughs> He's going to die versus to Brighton. To derby,
1: yeah, but no, I don't. I mean, everyone was like going crazy, like back to back to But like, he hasn't really made a bad decision yet. I mean, the worst one was. Johansson, who's played like twenty minutes, yeah, and you can't really judge a player off that. So I think, because was he in charge for the January transfer window last? I believe he was. I believe Michael Mardle was a very stats yeah, I mean, based I, I, transfer. Always, okay, we mentioned Lab, Yeah, we can just disregard him. But like Michael, <laughs> Michael Mardle, um, was, he made his debut in the Q P R way didn't he? Did I, I believe so. It was yeah. around that time. Yeah, and then in the, it, it was in the th- we, well, we played three about that game, and we just well it was Q P R, so we just win anyway.
2: he he wasn't pretty low
1: (laughs) signing of course we made permanent this year so i don't think it's as bad as people were making out when it first got announced
2: well we there was 13 players in this in the squad at the weekend that were new signings from the summer and not including michael mardell like which technically was a new signing yeah you know can't be that bad i mean unless he's like asked to sign 100 players and he only got 13 of them
0: so well, must- I guess it's going to be one. I guess if you do go for this stats-based approach, and we're, we're all speculating, we don't fully know exactly how much input he has, but I guess he's always going to have uh, a percentage of players that, like any manager that you pick, that just, just frankly don't work out. And I'm sure there might be one or two uh, that have come in this summer who actually don't ever play for us very much or do make too much impact.
2: It's like the... it's like. Um... Spurs or Sunderland's transfer policy, which is let's sign everyone that's available and hope one of them's good.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'd much rather probably be using stats to avoid like mistakes like that.
2: Well, well yeah, because
1: stats wouldn't exactly suggest you just sign Moose Sissoko for £30 million. Who, no who, stat who just, in the world just, would ever suggest that. Who, oh, he had like, a good tournament, but like, did you not watch him last season at Newcastle? He's a disgrace.
3: It was bizarre. There's a whole bizarre series of transfers, that um, Sissoko deal, and how... You know, Everton pulled out, and all, all sorts.
2: Well, it's uh, not like football to be crazy or anything. No, but it was, like so, that. you
3: know, you know, like I'm, I'm a big James McCarthy fan, as a point of interest. But you know, to, to reject <laughs> Moussa Sissoko for James a McCarthy, a very niche fan <laughs> of that. You know, <laughs> James McCarthy club. was covering the ground before Kante made
0: it cool. <laughs> I love. I imagine you should have like a whole mural on your wall, just a James McCarthy yeah, back at six home,
3: island shirt on. That's yeah, so, that's pretty much the whole the whole room.
0: Well, that, actually, that li- nicely leads me on uh, to something that I saw in the week. I posted a photo uh, on our Twitter, which I'll give a plug now at Fulhamish Pod. I hope, hope all you three gentlemen have uh, have given that a follow. Um, that Which is this fan in Hungary who has basically redone his entire back garden and has taken the famous sign off the Johnny Haynes stand, the the one that says Fulham Football Club and it's got the stripes and the the crest in the middle uh, and has erected it above his um, garden patio. And he's also said on this Facebook post, which is in that group, which is a very hit and miss group. I don't know if we could. uh, Um, I'm just going to go for a miss group. Um, But he's promised that if you go to his house, it's uh, free food and drink uh, 365 days of the year. I reckon he might get a couple of people take him up on that offer.
2: Could be. Different from the line before the game,
0: that's for sure. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting uh, pre match ritual. I'm quite upset
3: because I was actually in Hungary this summer. Oh, and right. And he didn't you know, post this until after I'd unfortunately returned, but I probably could have gone and taken Ballant up on his offer.
0: Yeah. I was I like, was trying to work out if there'd been any other crazy like Fulham installations, and uh, I had a look, and I can't find it online. If anyone can find the link to this, it would be brilliant. It's this guy that made an entire model of Craven Cottage in his back garden with like individual seats. In the Hammersmith end. It was like every intricate detail. Did you guys see this or was this my, my imagination?
2: Did you just have a very strange dream? I there? might have. I might
0: have. <laughs> but
3: um, It sounds like that Lego man who makes all the stadiums out of Lego.
2: There's also that one uh, who did Cardiff's FA Cup run in Lego and stop motion. Did you see that one? No, I didn't. But some <laughs> people have loads of time, don't they? Yeah. Do you think Probably that's what students.
0: it is? These people that make these kind of dedications to their clubs in, in are just got maybe, frankly, too much time on their hands? It's quite nice, isn't it? i
3: big fan I wouldn't of mind
1: it. Now in my back garden, but I don't know where... Yeah, I
0: don't know
3: where
1: it would One, I don't think I could be bothered to do it. And two, I don't know where where I'd find the time, even though I'm a student. So it means I have free time all the time.
0: I mean, it's I pretty go. impressive. It looks like he's stolen the damn thing and um, shipped it over to Hungary. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's excellent. He's really, done a good job,
3: in fairness. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it would fit in in West London, but, you know, Maybe when you have this kind of space and, you know time I suppose then then why not they love a mural though over in in Eastern Europe there's loads of we were on the train between um between Budapest and Belgrade and there's loads and loads of Red Star murals all over all over Serbia. You see them as you go in on the train, and partisan murals is mad. So maybe it's just fitting in with the, with the locals.
0: With the Eastern Eastern European bloc. Yeah. Uh, right, so um, we're going to uh, wrap it up, I think, in a minute. Um, it's been a very good opening. I think we've had a better debut than uh, any of the people we mentioned previously. Uh, the Matt Smiths, the Rafa Kalishis, uh the Zachariah Labiads of the world. Uh, and we're going to finish every show uh, with an idea actually suggested by Farrell. Uh, which is this uh, Fulhamish dedication where we dedicate uh, the podcast to a particular listener. So if you want to get in touch uh, and have the podcast dedicated to you one week, just give us a tweet at FulhamishPod or I'll plug it again. Uh, you can also send us an email, uh,
2: FulhamishPod at gmail.com. Uh, Farrell, who are we picking this week? So uh, this week uh, we've chosen Chad Perris, who's an Australian Paralympic athlete who has just won A bronze in the T13 100 metres final, running a personal best of 11.09 seconds. It's
0: pretty impressive. Are there any other Fulham Olympians, apart from maybe footballers that played before them? I I don't know of any, but you'd think the chances are that we we seem to win so many flipping medals nowadays that surely one or two of them uh, have got to have a a tie-in with Fulham. He was actually behind Jason Smith, uh, who is the Irish Usain Bolt of the Paralympics, um, which just sounds just sounds bizarre yeah, quite honestly nice. doesn't it Um but in a phenomenal achievement really the to... white tiger Chad Paris isn't he the
3: yeah the white tiger as he's known
0: Um but I mean it's a crazy James McCarthy
3: tell you that one James McCarthy let me know yeah <laughs>
0: Uh, so he's nominated uh, Breda Hanglin. That's what we're going to do uh, in this fullish uh, dedication. Is obviously you nominate yourself to be dedicated, but also you've got to pick a player. And I'm thinking of this like a reverse Room 101. So you, you nominate a player and you, you put them into the box. And then once that player has been nominated, you can't ever pick that player again. And maybe I'll put this list of players on some sort of internet website. I sound like I'm back in the 1980s <laughs> with that. Uh, when, I, when, when we maybe get around to building that, you know. We've I mean, only just set up the Twitter account, quite frankly. Early days. Uh, but he said he started getting into football and following Full and watching the games at midnight uh, on a Saturday. Uh, and uh, Breda Hangland was one of the uh, first players uh, that he loved watching. And also. Um, it was the first Fulham kit he got with uh, Hangland on the back. That must have cost uh, quite a lot in the letters, actually, department uh, with old Hangland. Uh, and he also wanted to mention his uh, great-grandfather. He's not putting him into the box, so he's still available for selection. Who's uh, Bruce Clark, who played for Fulham as a right-back in the 1930s. That's quite cool. Do you have any uh, relations that have ever uh, graced the hallow turf uh, playing for Fulham or anything like that?
2: My brother once did a charity game. Uh, at the cottage, not playing for Fulham a number of years ago, and uh, he put himself up front and managed to score a goal. To his but uh, but his delight was short-lived because it was flagged for offside. Oh, to gutted! This, to this day, he still talks about it, and I was there, and I will say officially. He was definitely offside. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, Dom, you've uh, now got the uh, honour of uh, scoring yeah, a, of a goal most at Craven Cottage. Footballer in my family. I mean, it's a shame you were blindfolded for the whole thing. You never got to see your goal go in. Yeah,
1: I've only just seen it from a video, but I never actually physically saw it hit the back of it. I mean, I heard the cheer because I like, learned my friends just ran down to run down to the front to have a look. And I mean, yeah, I can just say, yeah, I've scored a penalty. A good penalty at Craven Cottage.
0: Blindfolded as well. well. I got to play at Craven Cottage in the summer actually um, and I managed to score a goal in the last minute and honestly it was a travesty that it was ever a goal. I don't know where the goalkeeper was but it was the most floated cross in history. Uh, I, was, I was in acres of space. It, I think you get shocked when you play at 11 a side um, after a while and especially on a pitch where the grass is so good and uh, you realise quite how unfit you are uh, when you play on a professional pitch. I think the defenders have given up by this point but Still, it was a tap-in, but they all count, and I managed to uh, get my goal at Craven Cottage. But anyway, uh, we're going to wrap this uh, that up for this week uh, for Fulhamish. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, please, if you enjoyed the podcast, uh, give us a subscribe on iTunes or whatever podcast store you use, uh, and also follow on Twitter at Pod. Uh, you can get involved each week. We're going to be asking some of the questions uh, that we're going to discuss on the show, uh, and the podcast is going to go up after every weekend match day probably on a Monday night if I can uh, manage to drag some guests in. But, gentlemen, thank you very much for appearing this week, to Jack, to Dom and to Farrell. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you next time. Cheers.